So anyways, I bought a bunch of Star Wars tickets because I wanted to go see it and because I'm super excited about the new movie and, and want to be a part of that. And uh, you know, I love the Marvel movies. I love stories. I get so excited. I want to see again and again and again uh, the good guys win, the hero win the day. I want to see the guy get the girl. You know, I want to see uh, evil vanquish the battle won. And for thousands and thousands of years, people have told stories. I mean, you can go back in far as history as we can possibly reach, and you see people telling stories. You see people telling legends and great myths to their children. The way we pass, even today, the way we pass on virtue and morality and how we teach our sons to be brave and noble and, and all these things is by telling them stories. You can tell your kid to be brave or you can tell them a story about a great knight slaying a dragon. And we teach our children these great myths. We pass them down. We read books to them. We read bedtime stories to them. We read stories that inspire them and pass them on from generation to generation. And, and today, we don't just tell stories or read stories, but we watch them. There are billions of dollars spent on making TV shows and movies to tell incredible stories. And as we watch these stories, they make us cry, they move us, they make us laugh, they inspire us, and they call us to be better. And We all love stories. It's no wonder that we all love the Christmas story. We all love the Christmas story. It's an incredible story. It inspires us. It teaches us to be brave. It teaches us to have hope. It, it teaches us to trust that there is greater purpose in life and so much more. People have written uh, books about the Christmas story. There are children's books. There are TV shows. There are movies based on the Christmas story, and they have sold for millions, and we have been telling this same Christmas story for 2,000 years, and it continues to inspire us. But we've also been telling the Odyssey for more than 2,000 years. We've been telling the, the story of the Odyssey for longer than that, a story of a man who goes on a great quest to return to his home. He, he fights monsters. He travels a great distance to be re reunited with his family. A story has been told for thousands of years, literally, and it has been inspiring and motivating and challenging people for generations. It's been passed down as one of the greatest works of literature of all time, and it's so popular. It's even, every one of us probably read it in school. And so what is it that makes the Christmas story so special? If we can have other stories like the Odyssey or Snow White, these other popular stories, what is it that makes the Christmas story so special? What makes this great fairy tale, this great myth of a baby born in a manger who came as both God and man to save the world from sin. What makes it different from these other great myths and legends and stories? See, there is only one difference, is that the Christmas story is actually true. That it's more than a myth, that it's more than a fairy tale, that it actually happened. It seems fairy tale-like, but that it's actually true. And see, when we read the Christmas story, when we tell the Christmas story, when we have heard the story of Christmas, there's really uh, two ways that we can respond. We can either respond like this guy that I, I had, was coaching football with when I was younger, and I had invited him and his kids to our church Christmas program, and, and he was going to come, and I was excited about him coming because he wasn't a Christian, at least by my estimation, and, and I was excited to get them in church and hopefully let them hear the gospel through the Christmas story. And, and uh, I remember talking to him about that, and he said, man, thanks for inviting us. Man, that's just so good for the kids. 
See, this man had heard the Christmas story. He knew the Christmas story. He knew about the shepherds and about the angels and about the virgin birth and, and about the, uh, the, the stable and the no room in the inn. He knew all of those things, but yet to him, the Christmas story was a myth. So we can respond that way, or we can respond like Mary. We find Mary, a devout Jewish woman who is excited about her future. She's engaged, and you know she's got that engaged glow going on, I'm sure. And she's got all of these dreams planned, and she's got all of this plan, her future planned out. And in a moment, everything changes for her. She's visited by an angel who tells her that she is going to have a son who will be the savior of the world, and she will be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and that's weird. And in that moment, all of her plans go out the window. In that moment, her life takes this dramatic turn, and though it becomes more difficult than she had ever planned or expected, when she hears this crazy news that she's going to give birth to God's son, when she hears the message of Christmas, she's transformed. And the way she responds to hearing the story of Christmas is by singing. See, her heart overflows with singing. Even though her life is going to be incredibly difficult at this point, she's going to have a lot of difficult things to navigate, her heart bursts into song about who God is and what he's done and how grateful she is for him. See, the Christmas story can, can do more than inspire us and teach us about virtue and morality. The Christmas story comes bursting into our lives, and it literally transforms us from the inside out. See, the Christmas story can either just be a fairy tale that we learn some good lessons from, or it can be the story that transforms us and calls us to worship. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through the words of the song that Mary sings and ultimately learn what it looks like when someone sees the Christmas story, not simply as a feel-good story, not just good for the kids, but a story that has changed the whole world. What we'll see is that the only real response to the Christmas story is worship. And the question that you must answer this morning is, has the Christmas story transformed your heart? Or is the Christmas story for you just another fairy tale that your parents told you? So let's read the text this morning. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. The words will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Starting in verse 46, Luke 1. Luke writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he says this. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. 
In many ways, Mary sings this song, and it is the first Christmas carol. The first Christmas carol, which shows us what it looks like when you are changed and transformed by God. And it reminds us that singing is a powerful response to when God transforms a heart. Mary's song sings about three main things. And these things we need to see and sing ourselves. We need to believe them and sing them. The first, she says, she sings about who God is. So often when we think about Christmas, we think about the way people respond to Christmas. When we think about Christmas, we think about the way people respond to the Christmas story and not the actual story. We think about how people do kind acts. We think about how people are sacrificial on Christmas and, and include other people. We think about uh, the, that guy ringing that annoying bell at, at Walmart when you walk in. We think about food drives and caring for the down and out. I remember, I remember a couple years ago, I saw this video on Facebook about this guy who uh, is walking through like a Walmart or something, and, and he's got all these baggy clothes on, and it just got, you know, stuff, stuffed in his pants and his jacket. It's like he's stealing all this stuff, and he's going to check out, and, and this lady busts him and is like, dude, <laughs> you're not walking out here with all this stuff. It's like, obviously, you're stealing all this stuff. And as he begins to pull it all out, she sees that it's all these toys and all of these things that he was getting for his kids for Christmas because he couldn't afford to get them. And, and as she's so moved by this, she pays for it all herself. And, and I'm watching the video just weeping, you know, and it's moving. But that's not the Christmas story. That is the response to the Christmas story. That's how we respond to the good news of Christmas. It's not the Christmas story. All of that is great. But when Mary is transformed by the Christmas story, the first thing that she sings about is not the way that it's changed people. The first thing she sings about is not the way that people's lives are changed or her, her life has changed. No, the thing that she sings about, first and foremost, is God. She sings and gives praise to God for being who he is. You see, that is one of the markers of a transformed life. That, because our flesh, what do we want to do? What do we want to sing about? What do we want to pray about? What do, we, what do our thoughts want to be on? We want to treat God like a genie who, who, in trouble, we rub and we pray and we say, God, I need your help. And, so, and then we say thank you sometimes when we remember. But she doesn't do that. Mary is simply glorying in God and in who he is. She sings and glories about God, which just means she's, she's bragging on him. She's praising him. She's making a big deal just about who he is. She's not asking for anything. She's just like, God, you are great. And, and really, we see three ways she does this. First, verse 49, she says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. When the angel came to her and, and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and Mary says, how can this be, for I'm a virgin, it's impossible, and the angel says to her, nothing is impossible with God. Like, you know, that's got to be like a difficult thing to wrestle with. Like, that's like, okay, I know everything's possible with God, but, but really? And then in this moment, she has come to discover that what the angel said is true, that she is pregnant and still a virgin. And so she is in shock and in awe and in wonder about the mightiness of God. And so she sings, God is mighty. And if there is a God, then he is mighty. And there's nothing outside of his power, nothing outside of his control. Making a virgin pregnant is but a breeze for the one who could speak and create all things. 
And so she sings about the mightiness of God. And the Christmas story tells us about a God who is mighty, about a God who can do all things. It teaches us about a God who no matter what crisis or challenge you face, he is mighty and no obstacle is too big. She sings about he's mighty and she sings about his holiness. She says, he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. See, to glory in the holiness of God is evidence of a transformed life because to do so comes, to, to glory in the holiness of God, to do so comes with an admittance of your own guilt and shame. God's holiness means he is opposed to sin. His holiness means that he will never, ever get used to sin. It means that he will never be okay with anything less than perfection. And, and our problem is we get used to sin. Sin becomes normal for us. It becomes another day in the life. We become calloused to our sin. But God never does. He is always opposed to sin. He doesn't accept that he doesn't budge even an inch. And so can you sing and praise God knowing that the reason this baby came into a manger was because he had to deal with your sin, because he's holy. See, Mary doesn't know how, she's going, how God is going to deal with her sin, but he, she knows that that's why the Savior is coming. And so when we sing and worship, we are saying, oh Lord, we are in awe of the links that you went to save us. You to whom the universe is but a tiny speck became a speck became something tiny to save us from our sin. Why? Because his holiness demanded he deal with our imperfections and our sin. The Christmas story is about a holy God who will not let sin go unchecked. He is a holy God who will bring justice. And then she sings about his might, she sings about his holiness, and she sings about his mercy in verse 50. And, it, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. A friend of mine recently uh, who works in a company, uh, his company was bought out by another company. And so that company came in and, uh, you know, began to figure out kind of how everything was working. And, and what usually happens in those situations when another company buys another is they come in and they realize this place has been run terribly and we need to make some changes and you're all fired. Right, and uh, and then they hire, they bring in their own people, they hire their own people, and they begin to do things different. And and they have the right to do that now because they own the company. They have the right to remove you, and they have the power to remove you because they own the company. And it's probably a smart thing to do. God has the right and the power to blot us out. He has the right and the power to judge us and bring his wrath against us, but yet he has mercy on us. If he was only powerful, if he was only mighty and holy, he would wipe us out, but he is incredibly loving and kind and merciful, and so he doesn't. There's this great story in the Bible, many of you know about King David, who um, they say is a man, the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. And there's this one day where David's up on the roof and he sees Bathsheba uh, bathing and he calls for his, his people to go get her and bring her over. And he has an affair with Bathsheba. And, uh, and then 
she gets pregnant, and so he wants to cover that up. And so she, he calls her husband home from battle and uh, tells him to go home and drink and go have a good time with his wife so that she will think, uh, or everyone will think that it's, you know, that he's the dad, and, but he's, the dad's too honorable. He won't go do that. He, he doesn't go home. And so David then sends him back to battle uh, and tells all of his men to charge up and then drop back and let him die. And then Nathan, the prophet, comes to David one day and he says, hey, King David, there's, I want to tell you a story about a man uh, who was poor and just had this little sheep. And that's all he had. And it was like his best little friend pet sheep. And this rich man who had all kinds of sheep and goat and all, everything he wanted had a visitor come one day, but he didn't want to use his sheep. So he came over to this little poor man and he said, hey, I'm taking your sheep because I got a visitor to feed. And he just steals it from him. What, what do I do, David? David says cries out for justice. Who, who is this man? And he cries out for justice and he will set things right. And Nathan looks at him and he says, you are the man. It's like in that moment, David gets it. You see, for us, we can look out at the world and look at our crazy families and crazy friends and people out there on Facebook saying crazy things. And we look and we can see all of the problems in the world. We can look and see everything that everyone else does wrong, everyone else's problems, everyone else's deficiencies, everyone else's sin. And we cry for justice. Y'all should stop doing that. But really the finger is pointed back at you and it says you are the man with the same justice that you cry out for, thing, for people to stop acting the way they're acting is the same cry that comes back at you. We deserve the judgment of God and yet he shows us mercy. Mary sings about the mercy of God given to her. But the only way she can sing about the mercy God has shown to her is by admitting her guilt. The only way that she can receive and sing about this mercy is because she has owned up to the fact that she has sinned and fallen short and that she is bad. See, the story of Christmas can be summed up like this. You are so sinful that God had to become a baby in order to deal with your sin, but you are so loved that God was glad to come as a baby. See, when we sing... We are, on Sunday mornings, when we gather together and we sing these songs, we are freely and humbly and gladly admitting to one another and to the Lord that we come broken and at fault and sinful because we are desperate for the kindness and the mercy and the grace and the love of God. And he comes and he lifts up our broken heads and he says, forgiven. Christmas reminds us of who God is. And we must understand who he is if we are going to glory in him. If we're going to praise him, we must truly know him. You see, because he is holy, he must do something about our sin. But because he is merciful, he wants to do something about our sin. But because he is mighty, he can do something. And so he sends his son. See, Mary was transformed by the Christmas story, and she sang about, first and foremost, about who God is. And she gloried in just who he is and his beauty and his nature and his might. But then she sings about what he's done. It's funny, if you go into a bookstore this time of year, you'll see all of these books on display kind of advertised as Christmas presents, right? And, and, and most of them are not about the Christmas story. Most of them are not Christian even, they're, but instead there are these alternative uh, 
Christian alternative Christmas books, things like, I looked some of them up, uh, you know, a, a Better Inner You this holiday season. Loving My Actual Christmas. This is one of my favorites. The Year of Yes, How to Dance It Out, Stand in the Sun, and Be Your Own Person. What's so interesting about all of these, though, is that they're inward-focused, right? How do you deal with you and, and what's going on inside of you? How do, how do you, this holiday season, work on your, you know, spiritual, touchy-feely walk? How do you handle the craziness of the Christmas season for you? It's, it's all about positive thinking and, and personal, spiritual, newer, the, in, the inner self. But the Christmas story... And and Christianity itself is not a private inner thing. It is not simply about what God has done for me in my heart. It's about what God has done in the world. It's not about what Christmas means to me. It's about what God has done in history, that he's acted in actual history. He's entered human history and he's changed the world forever. Christmas and Christianity is not first and foremost a private thing, it's public. And and that's one of the reasons so many people hate it, right? That's one of the reasons so many people hate Christianity because it's not this subjective, touchy-feely, wishy-washy thing. It's not private. It's not just you dealing with yourself. It's, It's not just, you know, me and God, we're working this thing out together. Christianity demands surrender. It demands repentance. It demands things of your life. What God has done in history brings every individual into a moment of crisis to believe or reject as a myth. So Mary sings, he has done great things for me. It's interesting. Mary sings, he has done great things for me. But yet almost all of this hymn is about what God has done in the world. She sings about what he's done for me, but really all the things she's saying is about what God has done in the world. See, she's not singing about what has happened inside of her. She's saying what has happened inside of me, it's great because of what has happened out there in the world. God has made myth reality that he has come to save us. Verse 54, she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to the fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. That's not about her. That's about what God has done in the world through this new baby. She is saying that God has kept his promise. Think about this. For, for, for thousands of years, her and her people have been waiting for this baby to show up, for this person to show up, this Messiah to show up. And for the past 400 years, there's been no prophet. There's been no word from God. There's just been silence. But now, in that God is doing through her to change the world. Sends a baby to enter history, to fix and vanquish evil and fix all broken things forever. That this baby has come to do what all fairy tales point to, right? This baby has come to truly bring a happily ever after. See, the story of Christmas reminds Mary and it reminds us that God always keeps his promises. And just because we don't understand his timing doesn't mean he has forgotten. You see, Christmas is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. So she sings about who he is, and then she sings about how, what he's done and how he's been faithful. And finally, really the whole song is a song of gratitude. 
She starts out her song by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then later she says, 51, 52, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. What is Mary doing there? Mary is anticipating something that hasn't even been spoken yet. She is understanding the Beatitudes that would come later in, in Matthew that Jesus would speak when he would say things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, she knows that this Savior is coming for those people who know that they are bad, that they are broken and are guilty and are in need of forgiveness and grace who are in need of a new family. Jesus came for the sick because they know they need a doctor. But, but all, the, all the self-help books, what do they tell us? You know, you just need to be more positive. You just, you just need to have a bit more confidence in yourself and be more positive. I mean, bi- businesses and athletic departments bring in professional speakers to, to pump up athletes and pump up businessmen and say, hey, you got this. You can take it. You're strong enough. You, you go out there and win the game and you will be remembered forever. You've got what it takes. But what, what God is saying is he won't work with anyone who thinks they got it. He will not work with anyone who thinks they are good enough, a good enough person who've got their life together, got their life in order, and who has what it takes. Mary is saying the message of Christmas turns human expectation on its head. It is literally the opposite of the world. It is the opposite of natural selection. Natural selection says the strong survive and the weak die. But Jesus is saying it is the strong who will face the judgment, and it is the weak who will be shown mercy. It drives me crazy when people say things like, you know what the Bible says, God helps those who help themselves. Like that's gotta be like in first flesh alonians. Y'all gonna use that this week. It drives me crazy. People say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And it's like, no, it's literally the opposite. God helps those who can't help themselves. Mary's song is one of gratitude. And she is rejoicing in the mercy and the love that God has shown her, that he's forgiven her and saved her. And now he is even using her to change the world. See, the story of Christmas should leave us knowing that we don't deserve any of this But we should stand in awe, and we should stand in gratitude. See, here's here's the problem. Like, because we have all been told this story for our whole lives, it doesn't surprise us anymore. We know the story. But what we have to see is that we don't deserve And we should stand in awe and wonder about the God who is mighty, who is holy, didn't have to do anything, but was merciful and sent his son to save us. The God who to the world is but a speck became but a speck. 
that God actually became a single cell organism inside a womb, became vulnerable and grew so that he could grow up and give his life so that he could redeem and save you. So we should be able to sing like Mary that our souls magnify the Lord. The Christmas story, when you hear it, you should respond in worship. These stories and myths are magical. They inspire us. They call us to be better. They call us to be brave and noble. Stories are wonderful things. But here's the difference. Not only is the Christmas story true, But the difference is when the author of the story writes himself into it, changes everything. See, the Christmas story is more than just a myth or a legend. It is true, and it can transform your life because the author doesn't stand back and just watch his story unfold. He entered your story so that he could rescue you. The question you must answer this morning is, is the Christmas story to you a really cool legend, a really cool myth, or do you believe it? Do you believe it's true about the virgin who gave birth to the Savior of the world? If you believe it, then your heart will sing like Mary because once you have met the author who has entered into the story, You will never be the same. You will sing of his might and his holiness. You will sing of his mercy. You will sing of who he is and what he's done and be grateful. See, when Christmas is more than a bedtime story, it will change you. It will cause you to want to sing with all of your heart and soul to the one who has changed you. So this morning, as we kind of launch the Christmas series, as as we launch the Christmas season, let's sing Not just with words, not just repetition, but let us sing with all of our hearts. Let us, like Mary, magnify the Lord. Rejoice in Jesus, our Savior, because when you believe the Christmas story, worship is the only right and true response. When you know and believe the Christmas story, worship is the only right response. And so like Mary, let us sing pray. God, this morning we come to you, and there are two kinds of people in this room. There are the people in this room who have heard the Christmas story their whole life, and they believe it, or they've heard the Christmas story the past couple years or whatever, and they believe it, and it has changed them, and they want to sing like a Mary about who you are and what you've done and how thankful they are. And there are those in this room, Father, who have heard the Christmas story, know these things, but to them, they, it feels like all, it's, it's just rubbish, it's foolishness, it's just a myth. And God, this morning, I pray that you would take their hearts who don't believe and that you would soften them, open their eyes to see that this is the greatest story ever told, and it's not just a story, it's history. And that God has entered history to come and redeem and save them and make them new. So God, if there's anyone here this morning who that's their story, and they would say to me this morning, Brent, I don't know, I don't have it all figured out yet, but I kind of I kind of want to want to learn more about that. I'd kind of like to know, can I can I that story be my story that God is going to come and deliver me and save me and make me new? Can I be like Mary? 
and be changed, be made new. If that's you, we're going to sing this song. I'm going to stand up here. There's going to be some men on the sides that would love to just talk to you about how you can do that. If you're here this morning, Jesus is your Savior. Let's start off this Christmas season not with just, oh, it's Christmas again. We sing the same songs. We do the same things. We bake the same hams and wrap the same presents. But let's start off this Christmas season not worried about all that, but let's start the Christmas season worshiping and magnifying the Lord who entered history, who became a baby so that he could grow up and die in my place to save my soul. Let's worship that Jesus who is good and merciful and kind to us though we don't deserve it. The church will stand together. Let's sing God. Give us the courage to sing and to respond the way we need to. In Jesus' name we pray all people said. Stand together.